Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Anne Grady, who's a best-selling author, trainer, entrepreneur and expert in building resilient teams, leaders and organisations. And I spent the past 20 years working with some of the largest organisations in the world, including the likes of Microsoft, Dell, Johnson Johnson and Google. So Anne, hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. And thank you so much for being here. And just out of interest for everybody listening, whereabouts in the world are you right now? I am in sunny and beautiful Austin, Texas. Oh, lovely. Never been, but but one day it's on the bucket list for sure. So thank you. And I also know that you are two times TEDx speaker. So to begin with, I wanted to just ask really, how important has public speaking been for you in your career to date? Well, I would say, you know, as a professional speaker, it is the single most difficult but also rewarding skill to have developed. And it really has given me uh, just an incredible career as a trainer, a facilitator and a speaker. So it's really been everything. So, so, so difficult and rewarding. So let's start with difficult. Why was it such a difficult skill for you to develop, do you think? Well, I'm one of those really rare people who have known what I wanted to do since I was very, very small. So when I was three years old, I was literally getting on top of the table in restaurants trying to give a speech. And my parents would say, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be? And I, I would say, I want to speak. Um, and my mom always joked with me. She's like, well, you could be a minister. You could be a politician. And by the time I got to high school, I was like, well, I'm Jewish. So the first is out. Um, and I ended up having way too much fun in college. So politics was out. Yeah. Um, but I I knew that there was some type of career where I could use this desire to share with the world. And um, so I was the president of the debate team in high school and thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I learned how to structure and and organize information and do research, which was really, really, in hindsight, just one of the best skills I could have possibly learned. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I decided to get my degree in speech communication. I got a master's degree in organizational communication because I knew I wanted something to do in the communication space. Um, And I started my career as a trainer and training and professional development. And that led to a segue of uh, professional speaking, but I also still do training and development. I love that. Great. And we'll talk about training and development as well, because I've got a little bit of a lot of background in in that space as well. But I want to specifically talk about those two TEDx talks. I mean, how did they come about and why do you think they were so important for you to do them at the time? Well, I think as a speaker, it was one of my, you said Austin is a bucket list thing, right? Well, Ted was a a bucket list for me. It's one of those pinnacle achievements where, you know, it it could be your breakout moment. And so it was something I always wanted to do. The first one I did was a local TEDx event uh, at St. Edwards University, and they had somebody drop out at the last minute. And so my, one of my dear friends um, and business mentors said, 
we've got a spot. I know it's something you've always wanted to do. Do you want to do it? So that one was kind of shotgun, very quick, uh, Mm -hmm. how to put something together. And then the second one was at St. Louis Women at the Peabody Opera House. And that one was incredible. They actually reached out to me. Um, Apparently, one of the the people on the board had seen me speak before Uh, uh, and invited me. And that that was just a phenomenal experience. Awesome. And and I guess for anybody listening, because that is a dream of a lot of startup speakers. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who who's thinking about doing a TED talk? Like, how do you choose your topic? How do you choose your title? Mm-hmm. What what kind of key advice would you give to somebody on that? Well, it's interesting because it is much harder to to deliver an eighteen to twenty minute speech than it is to deliver an hour or ninety minute yep. speech. Mm-hmm. I, I would much rather be given more time than less time because it forces you to get really, really specific, clear, which is the goal, right? What is the one idea? Yeah. So, if I were to give advice to someone, it would be apply to a lot of them. Um, mm. TEDx; these are independently organized events. They happen all over the world. There are a million of them and they're always looking for speakers. One thing that a lot of people don't know is you're not paid. So you're not Mm -hmm. paid often for your travel. You're not paid for your time. It's really something you do because you want to build a platform and credibility. Um, I would say it's not the end all be all that you necessarily think it will be. Very few people have their Brene Brown breakout moment. And, you know, I, I think it's natural to compare yourself and Uh, to other speakers, but I would say really try to come up with this one idea, something that is uniquely you, that you have either a problem that you've learned to solve or something that you think would really be of benefit to other people. I think we get, as speakers, it's easy to get trapped in our own head, which Mm -hmm. is what's the message I want? What what do I want to hear? Right. And it's really about what would provide value? What would be a mix of story and entertainment and data and and fact, but actionable takeaways that people can go apply. I think that's the most important. So thinking back to your TED talk, then either the first or the, or the second, and um, how would you sum up your talk in a sentence so that we can get so we can understand what that one idea was that you had presented in your talk? The first was courage, and the yes. second was resilience. So the resilience was really the birth of my second book, Strong Enough. And that Mm -hmm. was, so each TED event has a theme and you're asked to put your topic into the context of this theme. So the second one I did in St. Louis, the theme was, it's about time. And, you know, there were speeches on, it's about time that women be empowered. It's about time that men um, advocate for for women in the workplace. But this was a women's, the second one was a women's event. So my title was, it's about time you knew you were strong enough. Nice. Yeah. Um, And and realize that we all are genetically gifted and blessed with this ability to stay resilient, but there are skills and tools that you can use to cultivate Mm -hmm. that buffer so that you have it when when you need it the most. Yeah, I love that. Perfect. So natural born speaker, knew that you wanted to become a speaker, was was happy standing in front of audiences from a very young age. Um, I mean, what advice would you give to somebody who who's who, who in the very similar position to you they know they want to be a speaker they, they've got this burning dream this passion to speak but they're not quite there yet they've almost like got an obstacle to, to to get past what advice would you give to somebody that's in that position 
That's a great question. I think there's a, a couple things. First, it's just because I love it and knew I wanted to do it doesn't make it easy. Yes, right. I still get nervous. And I was having a conversation with a family member who said, how do you get on stage in front of 10,000 people and not feel so nervous? And I'm mm. like, what makes you think I don't feel so nervous? I yeah. feel like uh, if you're a professional speaker and you're not nervous, you're not doing it right. Or it's time mm. to get out. Yeah. Um, the, the adrenaline and the rush that you get, you have two choices. You can let it be debilitating and it is a very real fear and it is very valid. And in graduate school, I worked in one of four communication labs around the country to work with people on severe public speaking apprehension, but I still have nerves and butterflies. Um, so it can, it can be debilitating for sure, but you can train it to become a catalyst for yes. the energy that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I am constantly developing my skills and trying to get better and growing. And in fact, I did a keynote in front of several thousand people and they sent me the recording. And yesterday I went through the recording and critiqued myself. So I was going, okay, here's where, here's where you did really well. This was a great story arc. You could have delivered it with a few more pauses and a little bit of uh, different inflection at certain points. So I think there's three things that go into being a speaker. One is sales. And I think it's a very under um, appreciated skill and one that I didn't anticipate I would need. But until you learn to sell, you have no one to speak to. So it's learning about selling yourself and be careful how you explain this to your kids. Cause my son used to tell people my, my mom sells herself and she goes yeah. to hotels and gets on stage and they uh-huh. pay her when she leaves. So be careful how you explain it to your children. But one is sales, right? You have to learn how to cultivate and develop relationships. Um, a- another aspect of this is you have to learn how to write. Uh, it's not just like you get up and deliver an English paper. You have to learn how to construct a story and blend inspiration with story and how to tell that story in a compelling way. Um, but you also need data and information that is actionable. Um, and I think uh, uh, there's three different levels of speaker. There's the initial speaker who's most concerned about themselves and how am I going to look and how am I going to be received and what is the audience going to think of me? The next evolution is concern for content. Am I going yep. to remember what I'm saying? Are they going to like the content? You know, do, do I have it well organized? And the the level of maturity that you want to get to as a speaker and one that I think all great speakers are consistently striving to get better at is when I'm focused on the audience Mm. and how do I deliver this message in a way that will resonate, inspire, and give them tools to take action. And I think so many speakers stay very focused on them and, and it's natural because you're the one on stage and you become the talent and it's easy to get caught up in that. But at the end of the day, the best speakers are the ones that are cultivating relationships, using speaking as a sales tool, as much as a revenue generator, um, and those that really are focused on what they can do to provide value for the audience and the client. I love that thinking of those three levels. I've never really heard anybody talk about it like that. That's yeah. a really clear way of looking at it. Um, do you feel like you have to go through the, the three levels? Like, so I, I feel like an amateur speaker, you know, they can't necessarily jump straight to providing a ton of value for the audience. They're almost like they have to go. Do you think they have to go through those three levels to get to that level of maturity? I, I, well, I think that 
Yes and no. Mm. Right. I think that even an amateur speaker who's never really done professional speaking, if you go into it with the mindset of it's not about me. Yeah. Right. It's not like people are sitting up there going, Ooh, are they going to fall on their face? People want you to succeed. Right. Yes. So the, the ma- maturity isn't necessarily tenure. Mm. It's w- what is my intent? Yes. And so you can be a very young uh, speaker, not necessarily age, but in, in time mm-hmm. spent in the business. And if your goal at the onset and your intent is to create an experience for the audience, um, then it's possible to do that. But it yep. means getting your ego and your head out of the way. And it's it's a skill and it's tough, which is why yeah. I tell speakers who are aspiring, speak for free everywhere they will let you. Yeah. I mean, I built my speaking career making a hundred cold calls a day. Mm. So one, you have to get really good at rejection and you yeah. have to get great at sales, but you also have to, you know, it's Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule. You have to build muscle memory. So I, I give the same speech a hundred times before I ever deliver it and get paid for it. Yeah. Understand, um, yeah. And, and that's like the time that you put into it. And so people don't see that from professional speakers. Mm. They see the glamor of being on stage mm-hmm. and having the standing ovation, but it's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours of development and practice and refinement. And like a good comedian, it's word choice and timing and, you know, where do I insert the story and how do I build the arc? And so it's just this skill that you are constantly cultivating and developing and I'm, my hope is that I'm still getting better yeah yeah now I, I love that you've really brought that to life that it's a muscle there's a journey you need to go on don't and I think a lot of people when they start out speaking is they see these amazing speakers and they compare themselves to that speaker and think well I'm not good enough there's no point me doing it but in reality you don't have to be as good as that person on your first talk you need to like you said do the miles speak for free, build your capability, uh, and then you can charge what you want then at the end of the journey, I guess. Well, and there are always speakers who are better than you. Yes. And that's the goal, right? Yeah. If your goal is to be the best speaker, well, best speaker means a lot of different mm. things. There are speakers that are funnier than I am. There are mm. speakers who are smarter than I am. There are speakers who have great t- content, but there are no speakers that have my story yeah. and my experiences yeah. and and my skill set, right? So mm. I think it's totally natural and I'm guilty of it, of developing this imposter syndrome, yes. which is people are going to figure out, I don't really deserve to be up here. Or what if I'm not the biggest subject matter expert, or there are lots of people who have just as compelling a story, mm-hmm. right? So that's very natural. It's what you, you, you get to decide whether you engage that or not. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the skill. No, I love this. I feel like we could talk for hours, to be honest, on, on this on this topic. But I think I want to end on fear of public speaking, just because you specifically said that you've got that credibility and that you've you know you've worked with a lot of people now who have fear. And um, so I had extreme fear of public speaking, social anxiety. I had it for a very long time. I became really good at avoiding public speaking. Like mm-hmm. I think I was one of the best in the world at avoiding having to speak in front of people. Um, but I realised at a certain point that it's not going to help me in my career to keep avoiding speaking. I have to do it. And I'm still not super confident. I'm still on a journey. And um, I just want to just talk about why do I think, why do people have this, this fear and, and what's the best advice you could give them to get past that and, and start speaking? Well, one public speaking is really speaking in front of anybody. I mean, mm. when you're speaking, when I, we're speaking right now, we're, 
public speaking, right? So it doesn't have to be an audience of 10,000. In fact, it's harder to speak to an audience of 20 than it is to an audience of 2,000 because it's a different level of skill of trying to engage people in different Mm -hmm. ways. But the adrenaline um, and the neurochemicals that are shooting through your body that turn your hands cold and make you sweat and forget what you want to say and blank out and get hives and all of those things, right? That's just your nervous system Mm. kicking into gear because it views it as a threat. And the reason it views it as a threat is because our ego is afraid of being bruised or embarrassed. We're afraid of messing up. We're afraid of failing. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that you can do, obviously practice, 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 practice. I delivered my Ted talk in the shower while I was mm-hmm. driving, um, on the way to dinner with friends, like where, whatever I was doing, I was practicing that speech I carried around and literally I do not write out speeches, mm, no. but I wrote the Ted talk because I needed to be completely timed and hundred percent baked. And so I carried that manuscript with me literally everywhere I went, international travel for work, anywhere I went. Yeah. Um, so practice is a huge key. The more often you do it, you get muscle memory. And if, and you get to a point where even if your brain stops functioning, you've, it's become such a habit mm-hmm. that it, that's enough. Two, um, I would say re- you have to recognize that your nervous system is just trying to protect you yeah. and you can reset your nervous system. So before I speak, I do deep breathing exercises, specifically diaphragmatic breathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exhale calms your nervous system. And that's why it's really important to have a, a pre-talk routine, something that you yeah. do to steer yourself. Um, and visualizing is a really powerful skill, visualizing yourself, giving the speech from beginning to end, everything from walking into the room, getting up on stage, being introduced, speaking. And that doesn't matter if you're speaking to 20 or 2000. It's the same. It's the same process. And I go through it every time before I speak. So it's really a key of preparation and mm-hmm. to knowing the nerves are normal. It, it's not about you're going to fail. It's about your brain trying to protect you. And if you've practiced enough, you're not going to fail, fall flat on your face. And if you do, so what? Yeah. There are a million others. I have tanked a speech before. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have totally messed it up. So it, but also visualizing it is very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those big, those big mistakes, those big learning opportunities are going to happen along the way. So just, you know, just expect them and, and learn from them, I guess is, is the key. Well, and see every speaker you can, like every conference I go to, I ask if I can sit in on the breakout sessions and the other keynote speakers, because you're learning through their experiences. What do you see that they do that works or Mm -hmm. that doesn't work? And it's not about taking content or stories. You have to be really deliberate about, about being, uh, having integrity as a speaker, because it's easy to hear somebody else's joke and throw it in. Mm -hmm. Um, but see as many speakers as you can watch as many speakers as you can find out what things you like about different people's style Mm. and then find what's natural to you. But I think one of, and, and this is probably much more of a response than you wanted, but one of the things that I tried to do for so long was to be more performative. I had all of these coaches who told me it needs to be a performance And that was so hard for me because it Mm. was inauthentic and real. And I think when I really found this next level of success where, where I have really been enjoying my speaking career right now. And by all means, doesn't mean it's the end. I want to continue Mm. to grow. But for me, the biggest, um, 
the key shift I made that I think brought the greatest return on investment for my speaking business was just being me. Wow. Yeah. It was just being authentic. So I don't perform now. Yeah. I just have a conversation like I'm having with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that has really, uh, the feedback I've gotten is God, you're so real. You're so authentic. It doesn't feel like we're, you know, you're telling us what to do. You practice it, you live it and you still don't get it perfect. And we appreciate the authenticity. So be you don't try to be somebody else. Yeah. Because everybody else is already taken. I love That's it. Right. Yeah. That's right. Thank you so much. You've just given so much great advice, value. And like I said, I think I could talk to you for hours on this topic, but we'd better leave it there. So my last question for you today is if somebody wants to book you as a speaker or find out more about you, what's where's the best place for them to connect with you online? AnnGradyGroup.com. My name Perfect. is Ann with an E. So AnnGradyGroup.com. And you can find all of my books and videos, podcasts, blogs, all kinds of information. And you can always reach out to me at Ann at AnnGradyGroup.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. What I'll do is I'll post a couple of those notes uh, or links in the show notes. So Perfect. Can click on those and, and find out more. So Anne, thank you so much again for sharing, sharing such great value with our audience. Tom, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And I hope you are well.